Danielle. Hey, Julie. Welcome to the Rise for Educators podcast, the podcast where we share research-based tools that relate to empowerment, self-care, and all things education. Each week, we discuss the Rise system, a model we created to make it easy to identify which self-care tools are best for you. We also talk about the ladder, a tool that connects the dots between your mind and your body. I'm Julie. And I'm Holly. We are instructional coaches and sisters-in-law who decided to take our conversations about these ideas out of the corner of our family gatherings and put them into a podcast. Welcome to episode 42. Our topics for today are self-compassion, soft interventions to strengthen your self-compassion muscles, and a self-compassion tool. How are you doing, Hal? I'm good. How about you, Julie? I'm pretty good. Um, We didn't discuss our countdown. (laughs) Oh, we did. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought of that. So um, this is episode 42, and uh, Holly and I have been doing this since the pandemic began in April of 2020, and um, we're kind of thinking that we might do uh, 52 episodes for a year, and... um, so yeah, so we're just kind of thinking about that, like kind of doing a countdown of episodes. So this would be our 10th to last episode. Does that make any sense? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> we got 10 episodes. Our, maybe counting down. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, on that note, um, I was just listening. My check-in is actually different than this, but I was uh, listened. I see that Dave Burgess has a podcast. I saw that too. Yeah. And his trailer is out. And Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because he talked to us about that. That was one. Of I know. Um, that... Yeah, I listened to his first episode. It was really good. Um, he is so high energy. He is. Well, you know, and I think it's so indicative of his background because he used to be a magician and a performer and he brought that into the classroom. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like to his core who he is. Yeah. And um, I, I enjoyed it. And it just, um, but it is just like, okay, well, we're going to do it. It's like, oh, God, yes. And I was like, geez, that's a lot of energy. But it was really, really great. And it was, um, and it was just like fun to listen to. And uh, just, yeah, just very cool. So um, I'm going to be listening to that because he has a lot of really interesting things to say. about. Always. And what I love about, actually, what I love about him is although he was like you said he's more he he's, he was a teacher but he was also a musician a performer now he owns a um, a publishing company starting a podcast he's into fitness and he talks about really uh, learning wide yeah um and i think he gives it a term i think it's called polymath like be a polymath like know um about a whole bunch of different things and i think whatever your profession is but teaching in particular working in schools, like, you know, I love, like, he's like, I don't just go and read teaching books. And I think when he said that, Holly, I thought about us because like when we started this podcast, you know, we're teachers, we're instructional coaches, we work in schools. We, we, our passion has always been kids and teaching and education, but yet really our podcast is just like self-care, um, empowerment, science, Yeah. Like really yeah. like, it's just, it's hard to say like, I'm a teacher and I just read teacher books. And so I know we've kind of almost had the struggle of like, well, gosh, like, is our audience going to just be teachers? And we're found out that no, our audience is not like, 
that's, of- that's what cracks me up. I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like it's definitely not just teachers. No, um, it's really a wide range of people because these are, you know, it's really like it should be maybe rise for humans. I know we've thought about like, oh, should we have changed it or right? Whatever. But it's almost but, like as a teacher, you really it, it behooves you to really read wide, learn wide, yeah. know about a lot of different things. And for you and I, our commonality is like we really care about being the best that we can be. We care about being good teachers and good coaches and but we also want to learn about other things. And I think that is just, that was my takeaway. I think from Dave's first episode was learn about a bunch of things and build yourself. You don't need to be one dimensional. And I think we've really like, we've struggled with who should this yeah. podcast be for, yeah. you know? And it was like, yeah. and you know, because we're teachers, we come every at everything from that kind of teacher lens, but really um, I don't think we need to limit ourselves to just learning about, you know, just things in the classroom, because I think who you, when you develop yourself as a person, you bring that whole person into whatever job, your parenting, your job, your relationships with your family. So, you know, and, and teachers, you happen to come into contact with a lot of people. So that just, yeah. that kind of resonated with me with his podcast and just like, gosh, there's so many awesome podcasts and I'm just super grateful for people who are listening to this right now because, you know, um, I just feel very grateful that people take the time to listen to us. I you agree. Know? Yeah. And I, I really like, thank you for listening. Um, we don't know who our whole audience is and, you know, um, we know a few people that will contact us about, you know, um, people that we know, but, um, thank you for listening. And, um, we're not sure what our future brings, but we know we have at least 10 more episodes left. And um, if you want to email us and let us know um, if there's anything that you would, a topic that you would like us to explore, that would be awesome. Um, today's about self-compassion because I, it's like, I don't know what's going on. One of my neighbors this morning, I was out in the snow and she was like, oh my gosh, I know you're doing everything's on self-compassion. <laughs> she was like, listening to, she just became a real estate agent and she was saying, um, I think she was like in a zoom meeting with the uh, owner of her company. Um, and he was talking about self-compassion and like everything I hit last week. Cause I actually wrote this episode a week ago. Everything everyone was talking about was, I was like, listening to Brene Brown. She was talking about self-compassion. I was listening to broken brain. They were talking about self-compassion and I was like, okay, universe is like hitting me over the head with this. <laughs> and uh, it's like, okay, this, this really makes sense because I believe in like listening when you're getting message and, and you're noticing like synchronicities in your life. And I know yeah. we've talked about a little bit of self-compassion before, but, um, that just kind of, um, kind of hit me over the head. And then I, I started exploring, um, Kristen Neff's website, which Holly, I think you found a long time ago, right? Well, I have her book. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, you know, I got, I kind of like wanted at a, a raffle. At, oh, you know, that's right. school had like a self-care workshop and I wanted at a raffle. Um, but it's great. And I, I know the person that was in charge of the workshop said, this book has absolutely changed my life. And oh, I really understand that because when we talked about it last time, it was in our inner critic um, episode a long time ago. Um, but that's one of our most listened to episodes. So I do think it kind of rings a chord with people because, you know, and that's why this is really like an I episode uh, for rise with the inner voice, because it's like that inner voice, how you speak to yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, really affects so much of your everyday life and your um, enjoyment in life. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I'm also reading the, I'm just finished reading. I'm at the very end of the book of joy with the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Tutu. And they talk about compassion and self-compassion and suffering 
which has really been my takeaway from that book is that part of being uh, in this episode is like, how do you be compassionate to yourself? And that part of it is knowing that we all suffer, everyone suffers, and that suffering is necessary for growth. If everything came easy in our lives, we would stay stagnant. Yeah. Um, there wouldn't be creativity. People wouldn't have, you know, these the energy to, to do things if everything was easy and everything was great. So kind of switching your lens and um, to accepting suffering. And that's sort of part of the self-compassion um, that has really resonated with me. I think so. And I like that. I, you know, one of the things Brooke Castillo says, which I think we might have talked about in our last episode is, you know, it's a real switch to kind of think like, I, I don't want to experience any suffering to, you know, I have the tools to navigate any emotion that I do experience. And it doesn't mean I'm going to avoid experiencing it because that's when it gets more buried in your nervous system. Yes. But, you know, like, what can I do to allow myself to experience this? Because it's it's real and it's true and I don't want to avoid it. But to have the tools to kind of navigate it in a way that um, you come out on the other side in the place that you right. want to be. Which is kind of like last week we talked about finishing the stress cycle. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is really part yeah. of that. Like, you know, yeah. well, how, it all kind of goes together. Yeah. So how do you mind, use anyway. your inner voice <laughs> in to my finish mind. the stress cycle? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So that's so, it. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I was just going to, I have a few people that were asking me about the bathroom renovations. I'm laughing because a lot of people are like, I can't believe that you let your daughter just. Yeah, right. <laughs> holes in your bathroom oh holes and whatever. But, um, you know, it's really been a great learning experience for her. Now she didn't finish it. So um, now it's also a great learning experience for me. But it really is a great learning experience because I finished putting the floor tiles. Um, oh, good. Before. Yeah. And that was a whole learning experience. You know, it wasn't like perfect out of the gate, but yeah, it looks pretty decent, which I'm saying that because I would not say that either Rick or I, my husband or I are super handy. So um, it's kind of fun. You know, these are things that if you are super handy and listening is, you know, you would roll your eyes because I mean, it's really like a peel and stick product. Um, So it's a little tricky, like around the toilet, you know, and some of the grooves around. Well, it takes courage. It takes courage to do a project like that because you have to be a little bit vulnerable knowing that it could look like total crap. And then you, then you're going to have to like deal with that. So right. Most right. people don't even want to try. So yeah. I'll give you credit. So, but I did get all the tiles done. Um, wow. And yeah, we've got the fixtures in, I mean the, the faucet in. So we're on nice. to, yeah, we're on to um, the light fixtures and we're getting there. Uh, and, okay. and it's been really gratifying to kind of see it make progress like that. So um, yeah, so that's where we are with the bathroom renovations. Okay. And then the last, uh, or my other check-in is that I came across the Dave Asprey Bulletproof Radio podcast. Have you listened to that one, Julie? Uh, at so, uh, yeah, at one point, yes. But I cannot even picture what it's about. Can't even think about it. But yeah, I, I know him. So I think I'd stumbled on this one before. You know, a lot of times, like when we're doing episodes, I search in, in Apple Podcasts and I kind of come up with, you know, like whatever brainwaves. So then I search that and see what I see what's on there. And so I think he's come up in different searches and I've, I've listened to tidbits of him here and there. Um, but actually I am kind of researching brainwaves right now, which is fascinating. And he had a great interview with Duncan church. Um, and it was really, really good. And I thought like, he's really in our lane and he's somebody I haven't been listening to our, in our lane, like kind of this biohacking, Um, personal improvement, like this whole, how do you make the best of your life? 
Um, Yeah, he was really great. So he talked about in the episode, Julia was thinking about you because he was talking about um, cold shower. He's talking about mitochondria and basically like you want your strongest mitochondria to survive and you want to kind of prune your um, not as strong mitochondria. So one way he talks about doing this is the cold showers. You know what? I'm not surprised. I cannot tell you how many now that I'm how many times people in different areas of life mention taking a cold shower, immersing yourself in a cold shower and the health benefits. It's amazing. I'm still doing it every day. I and I, it's so funny because I am definitely a cold shower. Dropout. Even when it was like what this morning, I, I mean, this week, one morning, I think it was like 17 degrees and I went out for my walk, which I just I'm discovering I actually like colder walks better than warmer walks, which is interesting. But I mean, the cold shower, it, I mean, I might some days only do 30 seconds to a minute, but it is insane how many different people on different podcasts, different blogs, different areas talk about just um, cold water therapy. And who knows? Right. And so what I thought was Holly, I'm transforming right in front of your eyes. You might right. recognize me. Noticing anything different. Right. <laughs> but maybe there's something going on in one day I'm gonna be, yeah, just totally transformed. I don't know into what, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh I digress. Go ahead. How well, what talking? I really like about this is you know, I like the science and I kind of, that's always sort of been my bent, but I like kind of knowing why it's working, not just like the practice of like, yeah. okay, does it feel like, all right. But I kind of like knowing what's happening on the inside, kind of from the biological level. Um, so when he talks about, you know, the mitochondria, basically what's happening, it's pruning your ineffective mitochondria and it's strengthening and making your uh, existing mitochondria work more efficiently. Okay. Um, and so he talked about a few other ways that you can do this. One of the things he says is, you know, you should talk directly to your cells. And like when this process is happening, he said, mm-hmm. you know, it takes like four days to like kind of get used to this for him, it, I guess. But, um, and he said during that time, like that's when you're kind of pruning your ineffective mitochondria. But he suggests actually, actually talking directly to your cells and saying, listen, only the strong will survive and that's okay. And what Wait, was talking to yourself while you're in the cold shower? Talking to your cells. Just in like general. On your cellular level, which is so interesting. Wait, are you saying talk to your <laughs> Are you saying talk to your cells when you're doing cold water therapy or just like in general? Well, you know, I think he was saying it in reference to during the cold water therapy. You know, okay, he was saying okay. kind of like, okay, your body's going to go in shock. But one of the things you can do is talk directly to your cells. And your mitochondria and say like, listen, guys, you know, we're, yeah, I know, but I was, I'm trying it today. I haven't showered yet. I'm going to try it. (laughs) And then you can report back. Um, But anyway, he's talking about how the, these mitochondria are um, like, they respond to that inner voice. So I thought that's so interesting because we're talking about self-compassion and we're really talking about how like the your you know like how you can use your inner voice to be more supportive to yourself so he's talking about it on like the cellular level got it got it i I was thinking you were saying talk to yourself i'm like wait what my cells myself okay get it i'm trying it today i like that. good yeah and then you'll have to report back you'll have to see like if you go to that deeper level and kind of add in the layer because right now you're doing the r for resetting your body but what happens when you add in the the voice voice? yeah and i'm super Hmm. curious okay all righty Okay. Are we ready? Yep. 
Okay, so today, uh, this week, we are talking about self-compassion. The bottom line is, in order to feel compassion for others and to experience the world fully, we need to first have compassion for ourselves. We live in a dog-eat-dog world, and quite frankly, it can be hard to keep up sometimes. And when we aren't keeping up with the world or our own expectations, some of us can be pretty hard on ourselves. We are hard on ourselves Uh, When we are hard on ourselves, we experience more suffering than we need to, and our suffering can be contagious, and that needs to change. So this week, we are talking about exactly how to do that. From a polyvagal standpoint, we are always using our neuroception to detect danger, both inside and outside our bodies. So when we use this harsh inner voice with ourselves, in effect, we're really just creating danger in our own bodies which definitely affects our nervous system and brings us down the ladder to fight or flight or shutdown. And when that inner voice is consistently harsh, we can get stuck in those defensive states. So it's really valuable to develop a compassionate and supportive inner voice. Okay. Um, So research on self-compassion has exploded over the last two years. I think there have been more than a thousand research articles on self-compassion published just in the past two years. And one of the leaders of self-compassion is Dr. Kristen Neff that we had mentioned earlier. So Neff defines self-compassion as a healthy way of relating toward yourself when facing difficulty. She talks about how it's comprised of six interrelated facets. Three correspond to when you use positive self-compassion and three correspond to when you use negative self-compassion. So the positive aspects of self-compassion are self-kindness, building a sense of common humanity, and using mindfulness when facing a challenging situation. And the negative aspects are the opposite, and they are self-criticism, a sense of isolation, and over-identification when facing difficulty. Over-identifying is when you get caught up in yourself and your thoughts, and you're unable to see the bigger picture, and it's more like self-pity. So Neff, uh, Kristen Neff, um, Dr. Kristen Neff on her website developed a self-compassion scale, SCS. The self-compassion scale is a 26-item scale measuring self-kindness, self-judgment, common humanity, isolation, mindfulness, and over-identification. It is offered as a free quiz on her website. The scale generates an overall self-compassion score, Participates indicate agreement on a Likert scale to statements describing responses to challenging experiences. So, for example, there might be a phrase that says, when I see aspects of my personality that I don't like, I get down on myself. And then you judge, you go on the Likert scale, agree or disagree. Or when I'm really struggling, I tend to feel like other people must be having an easier time than me. And then you agree or disagree um, on the Likert scale. Did you take this test, Paul? I did. I just recently took it. And I feel like I maybe took it the last time we did it. Mm-hmm. And I wish that I had our the scores because one of the things that I've really implemented is this idea of um, understanding that suffering is co- a common humanity. So a lot of times mm-hmm. when I'm struggling, I do say to myself, like, listen, everybody experiences difficult times. You know, this is just your moment, but you're going to be okay. You know, it's, it's going to be all right. Yeah. So I would say that actually ended up as my highest score. Okay. And, um, but my lowest is over-identification. It's like getting caught up in my thoughts. And I do think that that's mm. my immediate reaction. 
And then I've learned to use the tools to kind of like work myself out of it. But I think it speaks to like how strong your behavioral and thought patterns are ingrained. So it's not that I don't experience it, but I do know that I have the tools to kind of get myself to a better place. And I can kind of, you know, use perspective to say like, I'm in a valley, but ahead is a peak. Oh, I didn't know that you were using all those tools. Yeah. Well, the last time we did it, I remember thinking like, you know, gosh, when you evaluate your inner voice, it can be really harsh, you know, depending Mm -hmm. on where you're at. And I think at that time it really did resonate with me like, okay, yeah. Like I don't want to single, 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 (laughs) signal, (laughs) um, danger inside my own body. I mean, my goodness, when you do that, it's like, how how much closer can the danger be than when you you say negative things to your own self? So, you know, to me, it makes sense. Like this is something I I would never want to send those kind of danger selves intentionally to myself, but you develop like these thought patterns and, you know, yeah, I need to retake it. I think I took it like last week and, um, wasn't really happy with my score so I'm gonna do it again (laughs) (laughs) it's like the fortune Um, oh no uh, (laughs) I did find it it, I would recommend go to um Kristen Neff's website and take it um takes probably only takes about like five or ten minutes to do um but it does kind of really go hmm like how do I respond when I'm not feeling great so yeah and I think you know self-compassion is being recognized by more and more people you know it Mm -hmm. used to be I think like oh you're really soft or or you know you shouldn't talk to yourself that way like kind of a little bit more of a hard-nosed point of view um but I think it's being recognized as more and more important and in fact the U.S. government actually has even adopted some of these principles and they have these nudge policies. And I think along with the UK government, they've sort of developed these nudge policies, which we were talking about this before. I'm like, Julie, explain these to me. Um, But I think it makes a lot of sense. Like there are these policies that they still give people the autonomy to make their own decisions, Mm -hmm. um, but they're designed to indirectly or subtly shape your attitudes or behaviors in a more healthy way or really in the way they want. In this case, self-compassion in a more healthy way. Mm -hmm. Um, So usually I'm a little bit more uh, skeptical about like, oh, okay, like that's part of our environment. Like how is my, how is that environment, um, affecting us because we know that it does. But in this case, you know, an example is that uh, they're suggesting that doctors prime patients uh, to have more self-compassion through including a sample question such as, what do you do to nurture yourself? And I think Mm -hmm. that kind of like legitimizes self-care by doing that. Yeah. 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 And you talked about like when we were saying, okay, what what is these nudge policies? Like, what does that mean? And then you had mentioned that um, on your electric bill, it's like, it tells you what your neighbor is, right. 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 What their what, what their electric, their, their output or whatever, whatever they're spending. And that's a nudge policy. It's like sort of like can affect your behavior without forcing you to do anything. Um, which is actually kind of scary when you start thinking yeah. about like, how often are we being nudged a lot <laughs> right. more often than we realize? Um, but yeah, so, and I, have noticed that over the past few years, like when I've gone to the doctor, the nurse will ask questions like, you know, are you getting enough sleep? Are you taking care of yourself? Do you get time away? I remember now this was a few years ago and I just thought, oh, that's kind of new. So obviously the CDC or there are policies being put into place for asking patients questions. And then it just kind of like prompts, um, prompts your thinking. So anyway, so self-care is being um, in, incorporated into nudge policies, which is interesting. Um, one study, which was titled Self-Compassion, 
attitudes toward aging and indicators of health and well-being among midlife women. I think we have a lot of women our age, Holly. <laughs> That's what I'm um, lis- listening. I think that, I mean, according to, because like, according to like Apple podcasts, they'll tell you like the, um, they'll give you like the demographics of your listeners. And I think we have a lot of women in their forties and fifties, which would make sense considering that's our age. So I, this kind of, um, I was interested in this and, uh, if those who have positive attitudes towards aging have been found to live up to seven and a half years longer than those with negative attitudes and self-compassion could potentially contribute to these positive attitudes, which I think it's so interesting because when I turned 50, I found myself continuing, I'd say like, well, I'm 50, well, I'm 50, well, I'm 50. And I'm really working on not doing that because I know that it's bad. And I don't know why I'm doing that. Like, well, I'm 50. So, you know, like I can't do as much or it's like giving myself almost this like excuse. And I hate that I'm doing that. So I'm really working on like, cause I really think that culturally age, you know, we really don't respect people as they get older and, um, and I think that that is just sort of, you know, ingrained in you, like, well, I'm getting older, so I'm kind of tired or whatever. So I'm going to work on being self-compassionate, but kind of being sensitive to that age issue. Yeah. And I think that's so common. I mean, you know, so many people go through yeah. crisis around 50 and, um, but yeah, you know, a lot of it I think is cultural, but when you start seeing these numbers, seven and a half years. Yeah. The average and I can time. see that. Yeah. Yeah people live that much longer. So yeah, that it seems like that's, and that's when, you know, as we were going through these, it's like, well, which ones, which things stick, you know, we've done all of these podcasts and there are certain things that stick and it's like something like this where you're like, okay, over and over again, it starts talking about people who have a positive mindset, live longer, experience life more in a more enjoyable way. So like any of these things that, that hit that vein, I like really tune into usually. Yeah. All right. So how can we be more self-compassionate? You may want to try to change in ways that allow you to be more healthy and happy, but this is done because you care about yourself, not because you are worthless or unacceptable as you are. So it's really having that acceptance piece Mm -hmm. too. Um, Perhaps more importantly, having compassion for yourself means that you honor and accept your humanness. Uh, and that's like attention all, you know, recovering perfectionists. I can mm-hmm. relate to that. <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> I'm not a perfectionist at all. <laughs> um, things will not always go the way that you want them to. And you will encounter frustration. Losses will occur. You will make mistakes. You're going to bump up against your limitations and you will fall short of your ideals. This is just being human and it's reality shared by all of us. And the more you open your heart to this reality and accept yourself instead of fighting against it, the more you will be able to feel compassion for yourself and in turn for all other uh, humans in the experience of life. So in the Buddhist tradition, compassion is considered one of the eight pillars of joy. It is considered, compassion is considered necessary to experience joy in life. In the Book of Joy, the Dalai Lama states, the concern for others is something very precious. We humans have a special brain, but this brain causes a lot of suffering because it is always thinking, me, me, me. The more time you you spend thinking about yourself, the more suffering you'll experience. The incredible thing is that when we think of alleviating other people's suffering, our own is reduced. This is the secret to true happiness. This is part of the book of joy that I'm just loving would recommend the book of joy to everyone. It's really great. 
Yeah, I, I really, since that's my word, I really should read it. It's like on my list, yeah. it keeps getting pushed back. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean. There's I, these what eight I, pillars of joy. Yeah, it's really, um, it's really great. And I think like, gosh, in, in our world today, if we all adopted this attitude of like, you know, uh, instead of worrying about your own suffering, like having a minute to kind of, because we do talk about self-care, but part of self-care well, yes. is other that. Yeah, that is what I was thinking, like, just always, like, when you're, you know, wanting to better yourself, um, that try practicing othering and um, realize that, um, that that can help you um, take care of yourself is by helping others. So, which we all know, but anyway, yeah. Um, Okay, so that is the part of self-compassion, this common humanity. This is what separates self-compassion from self-pity and even forms of self-esteem. So self-esteem says, how am I different from others or how am I better than others? And self-compassion asks, how am I the same? And that really, to me, um, in all the research and in the book of joy, the, the common denominator, the real base is how we are all the same and we all experience suffering. And when you're suffering, uh, comforting yourself with that, that you're not alone and, and um, just really that common humanity piece. And I know Holly, you just mentioned that you do that yeah, is, can effective. be really helpful to get us out of that self-pity. It's all about me um, really looking at that bigger picture. And I know people that that's really easy for, and I know people that's not so easy for. So, yeah. Um, okay. So there are some ways that this can look um, some soft interventions that, that you can do um, as a daily practice. And okay. it starts by your inner voice patterns. Yeah. So really it's about kind of like noticing your inner critical voice. Kind of catch yourself in the act. How are you talking to yourself? Do you say things like, get with it or geez, I'm so stupid. Or um, if you can't figure this out, you've got a real problem. And we Mm -hmm. think sometimes that our inner voice, when we talk that way, almost like the strict coach that it's meant to motivate us. Mm -hmm. But if it's not kind, it can really cause lasting pain. And so Mm -hmm. every time you're doing this, you're sending signals to yourself that there's danger and your body responds in turn. Your stress hormones increase, you start clenching up, you might start start feeling anger or fear. So if you catch yourself in one of these patterns, here are some soft interventions you can try for yourself. So one thing you can do is called the friend intervention. So how would you treat a friend that's going through the same thing or the same feelings as you're having in that difficult moment? write down what you would say to that friend feeling how you're feeling and then write down what you're actually saying to yourself. Is there a difference? Why? How would things be different if you responded to yourself in the same way as you respond to a friend? And I love this soft intervention. I just started using it. Like when I'm like getting in my head, you know, upset about something, it's like, wait, what if a friend was having this? Because I love counseling Mm -hmm. other people. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but it's like, okay, if a friend, I would say to them, and then that, and then I say it to myself, super helpful. You know, it's almost like a way of othering and then turning it back to yourself. So we know othering is like a really effective intervention, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, how you can loop that kind of back around. Yeah. So that's a soft intervention of, um, treating yourself as you would treat a friend going through that same situation or same feelings. Yeah. Another soft intervention is just um, the self-talk, the supportive self-talk intervention. And it's as simple as, you know, when you start going down the ladder, when you, when you start noticing that negative self-talk, taking a minute to stop and saying, wait, 
I know this is hard right now. Listen, this is hard for anyone or, you know, many people experience this when they, you know, feel this or when this happens. Um, it's only natural that you're feeling so stressed and kind of even being maybe that supportive friend, you know, to yourself mm-hmm. saying yourself, like, I'm right. here for you. Right. Um, I was thinking then the other in- soft intervention that we talked about was supportive touch. So we know that touch activates our self-care system. And actually on a a biological level, it activates the parasympathetic nervous system. And it's, that's the part of your nervous system that is you use when you self-regulate. So it's designed to calm you down and make you feel safe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I think we're kind of a little in our society weirded out by touch. So like, yeah, say like, oh, touch yourself. Like that seems a little bit weird. Right. But mm-hmm. if you can get past it and really understand that, you know, your skin is a super sensitive organ. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can give yourself a, the physical gesture of like a warm, caring touch, I mean, really it kind of just like when you were a baby and your mother cuddled you or, you know, like a massage might feel really good. Well, you can activate that in yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you'll release oxytocin and it provides a sense of security and soothes your uh, distressing emotions. And so it can even calm down your, your cardiovascular stress. So why not try it? Right. And maybe just don't just do it by yourself. Not when people, I wouldn't do this. At work. <laughs> I mean, like start like, but like, yeah. Um, you know, I think, yeah. And if you're on your own, give it a try. Um, so, which actually we have incorporated all of these soft interventions into our tool for the week and, um, into our self-compassion tool, the three main areas to remember with self-compassion are mindfulness, common humanity, and love. So our tool for the week is a self-compassion tool, incorporating those three things, mindfulness, common humanity, and love. So here we go. So when you want to use this tool to give yourself compassion, find a quiet spot um, to sit or quiet spot to be by yourself. Maybe light a candle, maybe play music, um, depending on what works for you and place a hand on your heart and take a full deep breath in and then let it out with maybe a sigh just to sort of ground yourself. Start by calling in your difficult situation or emotions and then say to yourself, this is a moment of suffering. This is the mindfulness part. You might say, this hurts, or ouch, or this is stress. Then number two is the common humanity part. And you say, suffering is a part of life. You might say, other people feel this way, or I'm not alone, or we all struggle in our lives. Then with your hand still on your heart, say to yourself, may I be kind to myself? This is the love part. You might say, may I give myself the compassion that I need? May I learn to accept myself? May I forgive myself? May I be strong? Or may I be patient? Then put both hands on your heart center and breathe in love for yourself. End this by gently rubbing your arms and your shoulders or whatever self-care feels best to you. And that is the self-compassion tool, kind of bringing together that mindfulness, like this is what it is, bringing together the common humanity, everyone has suffering, and lastly, bringing in love for yourself. 
Okay, so the challenge this week is to practice self-compassion intentionally. Choose one soft intervention to try and be good to yourself. This week is all about including ourselves in the circle of compassion so that we can spread that compassion to each other. We are all interconnected. Let us know if this worked for you. You can contact us via email at riseforeducators at gmail. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Rise for Educators. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for tuning in and join us next Monday for our next episode of Rise for Educators. All right. Bye, Julie.